0: feel it. 41% of you, approximately, felt it. Some of you, actually, there was a physical sensation in your body when you heard the music. Because you're thinking it's game time, right? It's like game time. Now, this is the time the professionals are going to come out. You know, we're going to see them rip-roaring, amazing. I mean, you feel that, right? Just does Anyone other than me? Okay. I'm not completely alone. I wonder... If sometimes when we come in on Sunday, if we feel like this is game time, if we feel like this is this is game day. And, I, and I, here's how I mean it. I wonder if sometimes we walk into church and we think, OK, you hear the worship starting, you, you come in, you sit down, you think, good, it's time to watch the professionals. It's time to, to watch the people who really know what they're doing, get up and they're going to play and they're going to speak and so forth. You know, it's game day, right? It's this is the professionals here. I wonder if we come in sometime like, sometimes like that. I do. I mean, I'm one of them who's maybe the one supposed to be doing it. I sometimes feel like, you know, man, I've got to put it on today. I've got to really make it happen. I don't want to be traded, you know, to some other church for a 10th <laughs> round draft pick or something. You know, <clears throat> Sunday is not game day. That's basically my message this morning. Sunday's not game day. Sunday's not the day when we come in and watch the professionals do their stuff for God. That's not what it's about. <clears throat> Maybe sometimes you feel tempted, as I even do. You know, you go home after church and, you you know, she's sort of give the play-by-play. Well, you know, Randy was a little off today and, you know, temp- attempting to be funny didn't work for him. And, you know, the guy behind me spilled his beer, I mean, his water all over me during worship and, you know. I just wonder if you know worship was too loud and you know, I just wonder if sometimes we do that we think it's you know it's like it's game day. I just want to tell you this morning here's when we come in on Sunday here's what it is about not about professionals it's really about the people of God in the presence of God. That's why we gather. We gather here not to watch a show, not to see perfection, not to see how we wish we could do it sometime when we get big. No. It's the people of God, every single one of us, completely equal before God. The people of God in the presence of God. We come in to see God. We come in to hear God's voice. We come in to to encourage one another in the, in the difficulty, because it's not game day. What we do here is more like halftime. It's a lot more like halftime. You come in from being out in the world where, honestly... It's hard out there. You might come in a little beat up. You might come in a little tired. You might feel a little dirty from the play. You might feel like you got beaten this week. You, you might come in victorious and want to celebrate. I mean, we, it's, when we come in, it's not about game day. It's not about the professionals. It's about the people of God, the loved ones of God, the beloved, coming into the presence of God, where he tells us how he feels about us. Where he speaks his encouragement to us. Where sometimes, like a good coach, he corrects us. He convicts us. He inspires us. That's what it's about when we gather. It's sometimes caring for one another on the team. And always about inviting more people to be on the team. Because you don't have to be a professional to be on God's team. It's not game day. I just want to warn you right now, this analogy goes through the entire sermon. It never ends, all right? I'm letting you know. You'll hear the music again when you rush out. <clears throat> I will probably stretch the analogy a little too far. I want you to know that. But it's important that, I, that we understand. It's, this is not game day. This is a time where the people of God, in the presence of God, hear from him, speak to him, worship the one that, they, that created them, encourage one another, and then walk back out onto the field out there. The real field out there where uh, desperate people need God. And you know where God is? He's in you. He's in you. And that's how they—that's where they're going to see him. That's what Sunday's all about. <clears throat> the church isn't like an NFL team. In that way, I mean, we're not professionals. I mean, I'm not a professional. There are musicians. We're not professionals. You know, that the word professional... Um, the first came into usage, we're talking 1200s, we're talking 800 years ago. The word professional uh, comes from a Latin word that means one who declares a profession. And so originally, the word professional was used for a person like a monk who was going to come in and profess dedication to God by taking holy orders. What they were saying when they declared their profession is that my life, and to its fullest extent, is devoted to God. Everything I do comes from him and through him. My life is before God. In the sense of the word, in that way, we are professionals. Each one of us either have made a profession of faith and said to God at some point in our lives, I want my life to be all about you. I want my life to declare your glory wherever I go. Or some of you, you're seeking that right now. You're looking into what would it mean to profess faith? But in the next couple of hundred years, the word turned into meaning something that was a professional being someone who gets paid money to do X profession. And all of a sudden, professional becomes the person who is, who uh, from whom we expect a high degree of perfection. An expectation of performance, right? And so sometimes we use the you know, we throw around the term, hey, leave it to the professionals. In other words, don't try to dabble in things that are too great for you. And that way, we're, we're not professionals. We're amateurs. You're a bunch of amateurs. <laughs> See, you hear that and you think, he just said a bad thing to me. No, you know what the word amateur means? If you don't, you know I'm going to tell you. <laughs> amateur comes from a Latin word about 100 years after that first professional word, Ama, it's the root of love, amator. It means lover. You're a bunch of amateurs. We're a bunch of lovers. That's what we are. We go out into the kingdom. I mean, we go out into the world with the kingdom of the beloved son within us. We're a bunch of lovers. When we worship God, when we speak for God, when we do our work to the glory of God, when we raise our families and teach children and inspire Um, Neighborhoods and serve one another in love we're expressing the love of the king what we do we do for the love of the king we're amateurs So this isn't game day for professionals. This is halftime for amateurs The kingdom of God looks a lot more like a pickup football game than it does look like what we'll watch for 8 or 12 or 50 hours this afternoon tonight some of us are a little discouraged because some teams, they won't go in, they won't go, they'll not go unnamed that well. <clears throat> I love them too. We're amateurs. We do it because we love God. The one who first loved us receives our love from us, and the world receives the love of God through us. We're like that men's retreat football game. If you've, if you've ever been to a men's retreat, I'm sorry for women, you've never been there, but I'll just tell you how it goes. For me, I mean, I love the worship, I hate the food, I love the teaching, but what I really love is the football game. And the guys who've seen it, they know, um, I mean, fr- uh, Saturday morning on the men's retreat, I start carrying a football around, all right? And I go around to every single table at the men's retreat, if there's 50 or 100 people, and the guys will tell you, I tell every single one, Hey, you going to play? It's going to be good. Come on, you got to get out there. And they're like, I didn't bring the right shoes. I, didn't. I said, I don't care. Because in at the men's retreat, everybody gets to play. And it's the same way in the kingdom. Everybody gets to play. You don't have to be a professional to serve God in the kingdom. You're an amateur. You do it because the love of God is in you. We do it because the love of God is in us. <clears throat> so Sunday's not game day. It's more like halftime. It's more like when we come in, you've come uh, in from the world and you feel a little battered. You feel a little bruised. You realize, man, I really got, I got beat this last week, you know. The enemy, you know, took me deep and I lost him. (laughs) The enemy scored over me. Or you come in to to be victorious, to say, I did it this week. And we celebrate. And when Jesus is your true coach as an amateur, he's the best coach you've ever had. I mean, we've got some coaches in in the room, so I'll be careful here. But... Most people have had a bad coach somewhere along the way. You know that one? I had one of those in midget football. I mean, I'm still midget in midget football, you know. But I'm an amateur, so I get to play. I had a coach in midget football, seventh grade. I'm telling you, he thought we were the flipping Pittsburgh Steelers. And he yelled at us, and he yelled at us, and he yelled at us. Eleven years old, I go out and I trip over the feet that I don't even know where they're connected to me. At 11 years old and he's yelling at me who do you think you are how are you going to win like that you know that's the kind of coach I had in seventh grade it, it was demoralizing as if his anger would spur my anger and some super, superhuman thing would come on my 11 year old body <laughs> not going to happen but then I had that coach as a wrestler in high school in my senior year I had a coach Mr. Ludwig the guy didn't know how to wrestle but he loved kids absolutely loved kids. And whether I won a match, lost a match, you know, laid down on the ground before the match started and just gave up. <laughs> Mr. Ludwig was there to encourage me. He really was. He was there. I never did that. <laughs> Sometimes I, pin- I got pinned so quickly it seemed like it. You know, you know? how did he get down there so fast? I'm just playing around. But no matter what, Mr. Ludwig would come after the match, you know, one, win or lose. Say, Randy, I saw you doing your best. You have what it takes. A couple of places that we're going to work on in practice, you can do better. But you got it. Boy, I mean, it's just constant encouragement. I can see a smile right now. I mean, in my mind, I can see a smile. That's the kind of coach Jesus is for the amateur team that he's raised up. Always pointing out your best attributes. Always encouraging what you've done. Never discouraging, never demoralizing, never using anger to motivate you. Sometimes conviction, though, right? Sometimes conviction comes. You realize, man, I really lost my way. I really blew it. It was my assignment. You told me to be there, and I went away from my, my post. Then Jesus, the perfect coach, is always there to say, come on back. We'll do better next time. Inspires us, motivates us, throws love in it and some power. To change us. That's the kind of coach that Jesus is. So when we come here, it's like halftime. Maybe like a practice field even. We come here to practice being God's people. To hear God speak to us and to encourage one another. We come here to be uh, motivated. We come here to see God. Right? I mean, you do come here to see God. I, I hope you don't come here to just watch the band or to to see me or another speaker. You come here because you want to see God. It's God himself that is the main spectator. Sometimes I think that we can, I mean, I can get in the mindset that I'm doing this for you. Or that when you go out and you serve God in your job or in your home, you're doing it for the people around you. There's a service aspect to what we do. But the people watching us I mean, the the people out there that we're serving, they're not watching us to judge us as if we have to measure up to their expectations. There is an audience, a gallery, a stadium filled with one, and it's God himself. I mean, it's God himself that looks down on the field and says, I love you bunch of lovers coming after me, imperfectly, sometimes with eloquence, sometimes without eloquence, Sometimes with it all worked out, sometimes clueless, but risking it. It's what happens in a pickup football game. You think, man, I may as well go for it. That's why I limp for two months after the men's retreat. (laughs) I may as well go for it. It's the worst thing that could happen. I don't want to tell you because I've experienced it. (laughs) It's God himself. And God loves it when we use what we've been uniquely given by him to serve him. He loves it. He just loves when we bring our heart and we abandon. We risk our heart in worship. We risk our heart talking to someone next to us that we've never met. We risk our heart to embrace a a stranger in our midst, a newcomer, when we use what God's given us. He just loves it. Because, you know, every single person here has been given a gift from God, a unique, strategic, utterly unconditional, can't be earned, can't be lost gift from God. Each one of you has that. And when we express that, God just, I mean, he gets thrilled. I met a a famous person this week. Um, Anyone ever driven on 82nd Street and seen uh, a tall, energetic guy with a sign that says gold? You know who I'm talking to? How many, if you've seen him, how many people? Just raise your hand. Okay, more people see this guy in a week than see me in a year, I think. All right? I met him this week. His name's Barry. Now, you know, I don't know if Barry's here this morning, but he's got 500 people about to start praying for him. I was uh, driving by Wednesday. I was driving down 82nd Street. I was going to the bookstore and I noticed him because I see him all the time. The guy's amazing. He never stops moving, you know. And so I, I drove by and I noticed he 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 wasn't moving that much. And like something inside me said, he's just something's not right today. I don't know what that is. So uh, I drove to the bookstore. I drove back. I noticed it again. It's like something's just not. I don't know what's going on there, because if you've ever seen Barry, he's dynamic. I mean, if you haven't seen it, excuse what you're about to see. It looks something like this. Am I right? I'm not making fun of him. This guy is great. This guy is great. He's passionate about what he does. I mean, I'm thinking to myself, I wish I had some gold. Because I just want to follow that thing and go sell something. He's good. But I noticed on the way back, something's not right. And I drove by and I thought, you know what? I, God's speaking to me. I got. I stopped. So I, I did a U-turn, legal U-turn. I pulled around. <laughs> I, I pull in and I was feeling a little tentative. You know, like, I don't know. I got to go for it, you know. So I walk up to him. He takes his earphones. I said, hey, can I ask you? I was weird. I just said, hey, can I ask you two questions? That's what I said. He said, sure. Nicest guy I've ever met. I said, well, one, how do you do it? He started to laugh because he knew exactly what I was saying. He just said, I've, I've been active, full of energy as a kid. I just love to move. I love to dance. I love to engage people. And I, I mean, he just said, it's, it's a part of me. It's in me. And so I just said, I find out his name was Barry. I said, Barry, you're amazing. He said, I'm a pastor down the street at the church. Honestly, I would love four or five hundred people that I see every Sunday to have the kind of energy and passion that you do. It's just beautiful. And I got a little preachy on him, I confess. I said, you know what? When you do what you do with this kind of passion, you reflect the God who created you. It's that kind of passion that God has, and I see it in you. And I just want to say it's it's beautiful, you know? And, you know, you hope at this point in the story, he lies prostrate and says, Jesus, no. You know what he said? He said, thanks, dude. He was encouraged, but he knew it. It's a gift from God, and he 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 shows the passion of his Creator when he does it, and you all have seen him. I just had to say the word, and you knew it because when the passion of the Creator comes through a person, it's noticeable there's light. so I said two questions, so I said, Well, I have another question if you don't mind me asking what's wrong today because i don't I don't see it the same thing, you know. And he was so open, I mean, so honest, trusting me, the weirdo that came up to assault him on 82nd Street. He just, for about the next 10 minutes, he just told me about his life. He told me his story. He told me some of the things that are uh, that are bringing him down right now. And I, I just listened. He's just so open, so honest, so vulnerable. And I asked him, could I just pray for you for a minute? So there on 82nd Street, I just put my hand on him, prayed for 10 or 15 seconds. And, you know, amen. He's like, thanks, man. And he got a phone call. And um, so I started walking away and I was just about to get to my car. and He said, excuse me. Hey, he said, what is that church you go know to? <laughs> he's like, what kind of crackpots are you out there? <laughs> and, and I drove away. You know what? I realized he's got a gift. And honestly, I think and I, I don't know. You can pray for Barry. He's just he's a, a guy full of passion. He's just it's just a guy full of gifting. You know, and I think that when if he doesn't know the Lord, I don't know. But when he meets the Lord and knows the Lord, I'm gonna I'm gonna ask him to come in here and lay his hands on me and pray that I would have that kind of passion and freedom to let the gift that I have come out of me. Every single one of you is a berry. Every single one of you has the stuff that tries to drag you down. Every single one of you has the gifting and the calling to express your Maker as you go out in the world. Ephesians four seven, this is the this is God's word says this, but to each one of us, it's collective. Paul says, yeah, me too. But to each one of us, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. Grace, the word's charis. It means grace, unconditional favor. A gift that you don't deserve. That you can never earn and that you can never sin your way out of. It also means gift. Each one of us has been given by Jesus himself head coach of the team, by Jesus himself, he's touched you and he's put a gift on you. And he just loves it when it's expressed. That's how the world will hear about Jesus is when we express those gifts out there. Now, I mean, I, I've got to be honest here. Um, there are many of you who serve right here in the church. When I say it's not game day, I don't mean there's no place to, for work in the church. I mean, the, the people that get up at five in the morning so they can come in and lead us in worship, not professionals, but serious lovers, and they lead us into the presence of God. The the ushers and the greeters, the people that make coffee, the people that um, serve with children back there. Don't I don't want you to hear me say what you do here isn't valuable. It's crucial. If this is halftime, those people are the ones caring for the players who are beaten and bruised. Those bruised, those are the the physical therapists. The, those are the The water boys and the the assistant coaches, I mean, we need you. There's a class, I didn't mean to give a spiel here, but there's a class that's closed for the kids because we don't have enough people to serve them right now. No guilt, just what you do here is a part of using your gift for God's glory. And those kids, those little amateurs, those little lovers, need also to be cared for so they can go into the world to express the love and the power of God. Jesus is uh, speaking John chapter 4 and then Matthew 9 I just want to read these two scriptures Jesus says don't you have a saying it's still four months until harvest I tell you open your eyes and look at the fields he's not looking at wheat he's looking at people he says open your eyes and look at the fields they're ripe for harvest I can mi- mix my metaphors a little bit. I mean, this isn't game day. This isn't the field. This is the practice place. This is the halftime. Out there is where we express our love for God using the gift that Jesus has given us. And out there are hundreds and thousands and millions of people who are ready to be invited into the team. They're ready to be invited onto the team. Matthew 9, Jesus says, uh, Jesus went teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom, and healing every disease and sickness. Jesus did that everywhere he went, proclaiming the kingdom, and then demonstrating the kingdom by healing disease and sickness of body, of soul, of spirit. And when he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. And he said to his disciples, He said to the Vineyard Community Church in Castleton, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Jesus wasn't giving a guilt trip here. He was giving the opportunity of a lifetime. He was saying, yes, you, disciples, who really don't feel like you know what you're doing, who are amateurs, just fallen in love and want to express that love. Yeah, you, through you, the harvest goes forth. Because people want to be on the team. This is probably uh, more than 10 years ago. I know I was at another church and I wasn't a pastor. I was working in business. But there was a men's retreat. And uh, on that men's retreat, there there was a football game because I was there. (laughs) What was interesting about this particular church is that the median age was a little higher than ours. So out there at that men's retreat, we had some 50, 60, 70 year old people. But I encouraged them all to play. And I remember one man. I'll just call him Dennis. I remember we're out there on the field. And I'm sure that Dennis had never before been asked to play football. I mean, you could just tell. When I asked him, he's like, what? I said, come on, you're going to play. He's like, he was 60-some years old at the time. "I I, I don't know how to play, you know. I encouraged him on. I encouraged him on. I came there. And you know what I have in my heart. Like, if it kills me, Dennis is catching a pass. And I'll tell you, I wish I had video footage of the time Dennis ran out. I don't remember who threw the ball. I just know it was one of a very long pass, but we were close to the end zone. He caught the ball. He went and he scored the touchdown. You feel that? I'm like, this is the kingdom. Everybody gets to play. Everybody wants to play. Deep down. I mean, you're sitting here this morning or the person that you're called to out there to share the good news with, to inspire, to encourage. I mean, we desperately want to play. I I would say the hundred percent of us would rather be on the field than at the game. We'd rather go out there and risk it and get a little dirty and maybe even risk failure with the idea that there could be a great victory, a great play. I mean, that's really our deep longing because God put it in us. Jesus didn't give us gifts so that we could sit on the couch and talk about them. Jesus gave us gifts because through those gifts, his love and his power is expressed to the world. And if you've been called to the team, if you're on the team, you're a recruiter. (laughs) You're not just a player, you're a recruiter. Out there are hundreds and thousands of people that God's calling into the team. He's calling into the kingdom. They've already got their gifts. And they're just waiting to be activated by the Holy Spirit within them. Think about that. The potential. I have no idea what I'm saying, but I'm really excited about that. (laughs) So on Sundays, when you walk in here, you don't come to see me. You don't, I hope, come to see me play my position. As if I'm the professional. We'll see how Randy does. No, I don't think that's in your heart. You come here to be built up in your position. You come out. You come here to find out who you are. You come here to talk to the coach. That's why so often when I'm standing here, my aim is don't listen to me. Don't look at me. Look at the king. Because if you look at Jesus, you'll hear perfect words. Through him will be expressed perfect love. Through him comes incredible power that's what you come for you come because you want to connect with jesus the the bible tells me for me what my job is if, uh, further in ephesians 4 it says this so christ gave himself gave the apostles the prophets the evangelists the pastors and teachers many of you have those giftings for me i would say my major giftings are probably pastor teacher M- my job is to equip his people for works of service your job is works of service that doesn't put me here and you here it puts us all on the same team equal before God equally loved and empowered with different roles different giftings some of you have far more apostolic gifting pastoral gifting evangelistic gifting teaching gifting prophetic gifting than I do This just happens to be a position I play. God told me, you get up and tell them they can do it. You equip them to go out there and do it. And God's calling on you is to do it. The works of service. Wherever he's called you. In great and mighty ways that the world hears about. And in humble and innocent and pure ways that the world never hears about. Because we're not doing it for the world to see. We're doing it for the king to see. We're doing it for Jesus, who calls us, equips us, loves us, and sends us into the world. Just to stretch the analogy to its logical over-limit, you, you've got to know who the enemy is. And, and I just want to throw out a caution. I don't see this in, in us as a church. I'm not saying, I'm not calling out something I'm seeing. I'm just issuing a warning because sometimes I can feel it in myself. Sometimes I can begin to think that the, the one I'm playing against is someone else on my team who plays the same position. You know? So a couple of weeks ago, I was gone and Stephen spoke. And I heard, I mean, person after person came here and said, Stephen was amazing. He did a great job. I was so excited. And yet there's this little bit in me. It's like, he probably did not as good as me. <laughs> You know what? I want that little bit to be eradicated. Stephen's my teammate. I want the kingdom to go for it. I want more people to be released. I want hundreds of people to forgive themselves with what he spoke about so that the love of God won't be thwarted by bitterness, but released through forgiveness. Man, that's good. The enemy, uh, the people that we're against are not the people you're sitting next to. Look around. These are your teammates. You're in it together. And maybe this is more for pastors or leaders, but the the enemy is not the other churches in the city. They're on our team. And so what we get to do, here's the privilege of life in the kingdom, is we get to encourage every single other person that names Jesus as Savior and Lord. Every other amateur out there. We don't compare ourselves to them to make ourselves feel good, Because we've already been accepted by God. We are utterly, eternally significant. Because Jesus gave his life for us. From that place of complete acceptance, we can go to other Christians and other churches, even if they do our same thing, and say, go for it. You can do it. You know, whatever it takes, I'm behind you. Even if it means that we lift up another and we ourselves are put down. It's called humility. And it's humility... If you think about it, Jesus walking to the cross, it's humility that saved our souls. It's Jesus, Philippians chapter two, willing to say, though I'm equal with God, though I'm in nature, the scripture says, in nature, God, I'm not going to look at being like God, something I should take hold of. But the scripture says he emptied himself. And he became a servant And obedience even to death so that what so that we would be raised up as the children of God that kind of humility that kind of encouragement that kind of amateur love in the kingdom will bring revival to the city but I don't care where a person walks into church and gives their tithe I don't care I just want people to walk in and see the king if it's in the vineyard if it's at Heartland, if it's at East 91st, if it's at Abundant Life, it's, if it's at Castleview Baptist. Do you think I'm going to go through them all? <laughs> it doesn't matter. Just that constantly God is bringing more people on the team so that the king's getting more glory. And the love and power of God is shooting out into the city through people, through amateurs like us. <clears throat> God's desire His passion, I mean, just like I read in that Matthew uh, um, passage, Jesus was constantly proclaiming the kingdom, God's here among you, and then demonstrating the kingdom by healing the sick and curing diseases. What I'm saying this morning is this isn't game day here. We're not professionals, we're amateurs, we do it for love, but this is like a practice field. And so, just with the last couple of minutes that we have this morning, I want to practice. I want to practice. I want to, I'm going to uh, ask all of you to be bold with me. Not like there are 50,000 people watching us on TV, but like it's a pickup game in your backyard. And you just want to go for it. Because Jesus is always in the business of touching people, loving people, and healing people. So I want to practice that. So here's what I'm going to do, just for a few minutes. Um, I'm going to ask in just about a minute, I'm going to ask anyone in the room who is sick. You've got a physical sickness, ailment, it might be high blood pressure, it might be back issues, it could be uh, chemical imbalance in your brain, something like that. I'm going to ask you to be bold and stand up. And then I'm going to have just people around, those uh, people in need, just come up and we're going to pray for one another. Now, I'm not the ultimate coach, Jesus is right, but I'm like a minor coach. I'm like a player coach, okay? So I'm going to tell you how I want you to do it. I'm going to give you about a minute to pray. One minute, no more. So what I want you to do is when the, when you gather around the person, just ask them what the physical issue is. Not a medical history. You won't have time. I'm not going to give it to you. What the physical issue is. <clears throat> then you're going to ask them if it's appropriate that for you to put your hand either on that area or on their body, just blessing them with the presence of God through you. And then you're going to pray for them. And this is these are legal prayers in this little practice session. You can ask God to come and heal them. Or you can command the thing to be healed. Those are your two options. You don't get to prophesy. You don't get to pray in tongues. You don't get to yell and scream. You don't get to quote the Bible. You don't get to beg God for how worthy they are. Because we all know nobody is worthy of grace. It's a gift. Okay? You get to ask God to bring the healing. Or you get to command the thing to be well. Okay? Um, The three possibilities after we do this are these. One... The person could be utterly and completely, visibly healed. We win. That's good. That's what we're looking for. Okay? Second, it's possible that they're feeling better than they did before. So God's come. The kingdom has come. But not completely. In which case, you'll have 30 more seconds to pray some more. The third possibility is that nothing happens at all. In which case, you get another opportunity to ask God to come. Do you remember Jesus? At one time in the scriptures had to pray twice for a healing. Jesus, Son of God, filled with the Holy Spirit, had to pray twice for a total healing. It's legit. Okay? I suppose the fourth possibility is you have a sickness or an illness and you wouldn't know if it was healed or not, high blood pressure or diabetes or something. In which case we're gonna pray for the healing, and you're gonna go away and I'm gonna ask you to test it this week. Don't go off medication. Find a way to test if God has touched you. Does that make sense? Okay, so go through it quickly. I'm going to ask people to stand up. You're going to ask for the medical issue. You'll have about 10 seconds. You're going to pray for about 30 or 40 seconds. Ask how it is. If it's better, completely, you start worshiping. We want to hear that. If it's a little bit better, you pray again. If nothing's happened, you pray again. Okay? Does that make sense? I'm going to give you really as much time as I've said. So, If you're sick this morning, if you've got a physical, uh, a known physical need, would you would you stand up? Even if you're sitting there and you're thinking it's such a minor thing, it's too small a thing, then go ahead and stand up anyway. There is no such thing as too small a thing. Anybody else? Okay. You don't have you don't have to claim sickness forever and ever. The the physical reality is you have an issue and you want God to heal it. Okay. All right. Now, just raise your hand if you're standing. And all the people that are not standing, I want you to just come and to gather around one of these who's standing. And when you've got someone who's willing to pray for you, then put your hand down. Okay? You have to get out of your seats. Listen, if you don't want to be a part of this, you're free. You can watch from the back. But would you stand and watch at least? Okay? So I need a lot of people over here because there are a lot of hands up. People to just go who are willing to pray. 30 second prayer. Keep keep your hand up if nobody's, uh, if nobody's there to pray for you. If someone is there to pray, put your hand down. Anybody who still needs someone to pray for them. Okay, so I want you to take your 20 or 30 seconds right now. Find out what the issue is real quickly. Okay, so by now you should know what the issue is and you should be beginning. I'm going to give you one minute now to pray. That asking God to bring healing or command that thing to be well. You have the authority of Jesus. God, thank you. Thank you that you're present here right now, that you've given us the authority of Jesus to declare healing. We thank you that the kingdom of God is present and moving right here through your people, your beloved. This ask Lord on these people that you would continue to pour out your love, your grace, and your healing power. In Jesus name. Amen. Okay. You can be seated. Alright, now while you're, uh, while you're seated, I've got uh, just one more bold step for some of you. Uh, for those who were prayed for, of those who were prayed for, I wonder if there's anyone who has had a real sense of something has happened. So if you had a real sense of some sort of activity, would, you, would, you, if you would, would you just stand up, tell us your name, and just tell us what you've experienced? Go ahead. For the past couple of weeks, I've been dealing with real bad tooth issues and I feel a lot better just through the prayer and stuff. So, so when they started praying, Damon, on a scale of one to ten, what kind of pain did you have? Well, this morning it was about a five or six. Five. And what, what are you experiencing right now? Joy. Joy. <laughs> okay. That's as good as zero. All right. Thank you, Damon. Praise God. Praise God. Any, anybody else? Yes. Tell us your name narcolepsy and um, when they uh, started praying and putting their hands on me I um, from head to toe had a just a, um, t- a trembling feeling um, like uh, shivers yeah. you know, like, like that just from going back up and a, down a manifestation of the God's presence yes. amen that's great thank you who else anybody else Hi, I'm Lana Cunningham, and uh, I've been experiencing, um, like, stomach issues and shortness of breath, and, and I was having chills, which I don't usually have, so I have on t shirts today. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, as Tori prayed for me, I just feel heat wow. just through my That's body. That's different than chills. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Heat through my whole body. That's great. So. Praise God. Thanks, Lana. To being on the team and being an amateur being loved by God and being a lover of God you walked in this morning and you realize I don't know God I want to be on this team I want to be in the family of God I want to be a part of something bigger than just myself but I don't know how I would like to encourage you uh, to, to take some courage and walk down to the front after we're finished here and pray with me or one of the other pastors or the prayer team And and uh, just come and say, I want to know what it means to know Jesus. I want to know what it means to be in the family of God. I, I want to be a part of what God's doing in the world. I want my sins forgiven. I want my life changed. I need to be empowered by God to live on this earth. If that's you,